like that. You know, and David danced, and there was kind of this celebration that was there. And in Chronicles 16, it, it kind of refers back to this, this celebration. And basically what the Psalms is, the Psalm 96 is, is basically that same material in Second Chronicles 16 covered in a kind of poetic form, in a song. Um, you know, we see the Psalms is kind of the, the hymn book of the Israelite people, and these songs are, they're in and our life today, they're effective and like they, they change the way we think and we feel. And so this is a way of saying, hey, glorifying God by having this song that we're, that we're singing to, to the Lord. And so people would, would sing this um, together. And so what we see here in Psalm 96 is there's kind of three movements. Uh, the second one is a movement to declare or maybe invite. And then the third one is a kind of a, a warning. So I'm going to walk through Psalm 96. We'll kind of move somewhat quickly through it, but I'll, I'll read it and, and talk as we, as we go through it here. So if you want to follow along, that's where we'll be. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Right? This singing you know, is an overflow of kind of the, the feelings of our heart. Um, I have three daughters that are 12 to 15. Uh, my house is full of singing on good days. <laughs> you know, we're making dinner, and if the kids are in a good mood, and they're, and they're, and they're happy, and they're joyful, man, songs come out. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It could be a worship song, but probably it's Disney. You know, it might be Hamilton or something like that. But it's just like it, a, and it says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But our, our, my kids, they're just, they just get into it, right? And I think this is kind of this, it's a, and it's a calling of finding that joy within the Lord of saying, hey, sing to the Lord. And it says, tell of his salvation from day to day. Like that, the salvation, looking at our salvation Man, should cause our hearts to want to sing when we ground it in what that really means. In the depth of, of what we've been saved from. We should rejoice and want to be singing. So that's one is to sing. The next one is to declare. Verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. So what are we declaring, right? We're declaring his marvelous works. David saw the marvelous works of God. I think this is, I think this is important, right? Because the marvelous works of God are, one, the things we read about and know about in Scripture. But then also David saw them in his own life and the way that God was, has moving around him. And I would encourage you guys that when it talks about declaring you know, the glory of the Lord, declaring his marvelous works. It's not only what we see and what we read in here, but also taking time to identify how has God moved within you and in your own life. Claim him to the nations is the way that he has moved within us. He is worthy to be praised. The third one is to warn or maybe invite. Verse 5. For the gods of all the peoples are worthless idols. 
The gods of the peoples are worthless idols. It's a reminder that there is no salvation outside of Christ. No one comes to the Father except through me, is what what Christ said. The other things that are pursued are worthless idols. They are not salvific. And there's, we could take lots of time to talk about what that means. It's not just religion, but also our other things we pursue, whether they say they are worthless. And so we should invite, we should warn others. These things that you're pursuing are, are of, they're not of value. But the Lord made the heavens, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. So then who's this for? It says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Uh, other places in Psalms, it says, O, o families of the nations. That, that's, that's who he's saying that we should be telling this other, other people about. And it's kind of this inviting them into worship where it says, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Coming into his courts, that was the Old Testament of like the, the, the act of worship. There's a calling in of drawing into the, the presence of God. That's where he was in his courts. And so he was calling the nations to join in with that. Worship the Lord with splendor of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the people with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So this is call that not only of the peoples of the earth, but even nature itself will be worshiping and praising God, singing out to him, which is great. A couple of things I want to point out is that, first of all, that I want to first identify that here in the Old Testament, it's this call to the nations, which I think is an important theme to realize that this is part of the bigger picture of God's story. That it's, we, oftentimes we segment, you know, the Bible into 66 books and we, we don't always look at it as one story of God creating man, man sinning and falling away, then God redeeming people back to him for the sake of his glory. And then I love it how the, the Bible doesn't end with Christ conquering death at the crucifixion, but goes on into the church going out. This is all part of this one theme, this one story. Here we we see it reflected there in the Psalms with David of people being called in to know and to glorify God. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing with calling the nations to glorify God, to come into his courts? That's kind of what I want to spend most of our time with here today. Um. First of all, I think there needs to be a, a moment where we stop and we praise the Lord for the way that he has worked across the earth in the past hundred years. There's been a dramatic shift in the kind of center of Christianity because the church has exploded in 
parts of Africa and parts of parts of Asia and other parts around the world where you you just see like revival kind of happening. Sometimes we can look at empty cathedrals in Europe and be like, oh man, it's, things are not great. But then you can see worship services in places like Nigeria where there's thousands upon thousands of people worshiping the Lord. And that's, that's great, right? That's, it's interesting because as, as we worked, as we, you know, part of the things we do is we raise up and train new missionaries. And we have to prepare and equip them that they're going to be with people that are working beside them from other parts of the world. That we've had people we've worked with, you know, that are from places like the Philippines or Nigeria, or Brazil or Korea. Uh, we, started a, we started a house church at one point where there was a lot of, where it was a big language school where a lot of people were learning Arabic. And in this house church, it, it kind of was like a, a small group that turned into like 50 people and we had, had kind of like two services in a, in a living room, which is kind of interesting. Um, but there were so many Korean missionaries that were coming in that we had to do a Korean Sunday school class. Um, and so when I would teach, my kids would be at both services, and so they would do one Sunday school class in English and one in Korean. And their Korean stinks today, unfortunately. Um, but that's kind of part of the reality of the world today, um, that the nations are actually joining in with the task that's remaining. And that's great. And there's beauty into this because it, it breaks down barriers of saying, hey, we're not taking are an American religion or a Western religion to the nations of the earth, but it is a all the peoples for all the peoples. When you're preaching this, uh, I remember there, we had a, a medical, you know, a complication with one of our pregnancies and, and Jordan was on bed rest. And so our, the people from our house church were bringing uh, meals to us. And so one night we would have a Pakistani family bring us food. And the next night it was like a British family. And the next night, you know, it was like a Nigerian family. And one of, uh, one of Jordan's friends was like, what's going on? And she's like, man, these are our people from our, from our church. And so he says, hey, you know, like, we would never do that for somebody outside of our family. And Jordan was like, hey, these people are our family. And it is a powerful way to which... I think the Lord works in seeing what the nations of the earth coming together to say, hey, we are one family together um, as Christians. So that's the good news. There's also the challenge which is still remaining. What is the task remaining, right? Which is, what is the task remaining in calling the nations into worship of him? There is, you know, we're still, have we fulfilled the Great Commission, is that task completed? And the Great Commission is Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go, have we gone to all the nations? Right? If we got people in the Philippines and in, and in India and in you know, Pakistan and stuff like that that are proclaiming God, it's like, are we, are we good? Have we done it? Is it done? Um, the answer is no. I mean, there's a short answer of it. Um, you know, the, the Lord doesn't give out very specific examples in Scripture of saying, hey, when this group of people has this many Christians, that means, you know, the task is finished. But 
for the sake of strategy and, and missiologists that would say, hey, when there's 2% of a people that know Jesus, then within that group, um, they're in a pretty good spot to be able to stay self-sufficient and replicating, you know, the church and growing the church without, you know, kind of in, on independence, you know, without outside help. About one out of four people in the world today are in what we call unreached people groups. Um, that means they don't know a family member or a coworker or somebody else. They might even have scripture in their language um, to find out about Jesus. It doesn't exist for them. And that's one of the big priorities, you know, in the world is, is being able to provide um, support and efforts towards these groups to say, here's who Jesus is. You know, we, I, I remember one of the things that really stuck out with, in my head was there was a guy I knew named Abdullah, and he was like, yeah, I, I wanted to do a, a, a paper in college about Christians in my country, and I had to change the topic because I couldn't find any. And I was like, yeah, and I happened to know there's only 20 people out of the 3 million in his country that were followers of Jesus. Um, I had another friend, it was like two years ago exactly, who um, reached out to our church Facebook page. Uh, Facebook, if you were under 30, is like TikTok, without dances, and more arguing about politics with their aunt and uncle. So <laughs> it's, uh, anyways, it's still used in some parts of the world. Uh, but this guy, he was curious about Jesus, and he, and he wanted to know about Jesus, but he's from Afghanistan. He spoke Pashto, and he didn't know anybody who spoke Pashto that could tell him about Jesus. And when COVID happened, he was a, he was a laborer. He was like a day laborer, and it became illegal to treat his apartment that he shared with 15 other people in just bunks, like kind of bunk rooms, and he would just spend his days sitting in his bunk and surviving, essentially. But while he was doing that, he learned English because he just was, was lonely and bored, and he would basically watch uh, English movies and then started chatting with people online. And so his English was pretty rough, but then I get a message one day, and it just says, I want to know to follow Jesus. And so I said, okay, let's get together. So we, we got together, and I had an app on my phone that could, that could walk through Bible studies that was in his language and was, was a kind of a parallel. And we met a couple times, and I said, hey, there's a man in my church who speaks your language. He said, okay. So we pick him up. He gets in, the car, he gets in my car, and we're driving off, and my, my friend Levi is in the car, and they start speaking in this language. And he gets scared to death, just shrinks down in the chair until we pull up to my house. And he's like, I thought for sure you were taking me to the police. And he said, no. And for the next several months, you know, the guy reads scripture, professes faith in, in Jesus, gets baptized. And um, yeah, amazingly enough, actually he got married to another friend of mine recently who uh, also is from that people group. 
which is incredible, but spent four years saying, I want to know about Jesus, but I don't know who to ask. And God is, man, working among the nations. And our command to declare glory among the nations as marvelous works among all peoples. Man, we're being invited into that. And it's something that takes some intentionality on our own part, right? That, sure, there is, I deeply believe in the sovereignty of God. I deeply believe that God is going to, um, going to do his thing. And we can trust in that. But we see these commands in Scripture where I think we need to be able to, to, to be obedient to. Um, there's not other parts of our life where we say, hey, here's the command in Scripture. Eh, God knows if I'm going to do it or not. It's like, no, we fight sin. Um, Romans 10 says this. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The call to bring the nations to worship God is a task that we know will be completed. Which is great. It's like being called to join the basketball team that you already know is going to win the state championship, right? We know the end. We know what it's going to look like one day in heaven. That's something that we're like, hey... Let's be part of that winning team. Revelation 7, 9 and 10 is one of my favorite verses, which says this. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, were standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Victory is promised. Victory of the nations coming to know him is there. Our call today is to be a part of that promise, a part of that upcoming future victory that we look forward to every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping our God. So what can you do? Uh, And I want to kind of bring us to the kind of close this last section of like, how can we be involved? Um, there's lots of different ways to be involved. I was, I joked at a, a couple, beginning of the month, I was like, some of you guys are like, look, man, I just got this Alamo tattoo. I can't go anywhere. This is my spot, you know? But there are ways for each of us to, I think, be involved and to take part of proclaiming him among the nations. First one is this, we can welcome, we can welcome. Um, San Antonio is a major city. Well, we're not on a farm in Iowa. There, there are nations that are here among us in our city. Uh, last year, the Center for Refugee Services was inundated with all these Afghans that were being placed here in town. And they needed, you know, cooking supplies and blankets and sheets and things like that. There are ways that we can help out with that. They need to help with teaching English. Those things exist. Um, Lee could tell you that at UTSA, there's over a thousand international, 
You know, majority of international students come from India and China. They will go back to their countries as future leaders in their countries. It's a strategic way for us to be involved with those that are here among us. Uh, if you go to Alibaba Market on Wurzbach and I-10, it's like the center of kind of the Arab community um, here in our city. I met some guys, ended up playing volleyball with a group of, I think it was like 20 guys that were all from the Arabian Peninsula um, that were here doing Air Force training last year. They're, they're around us when we look for them. Um, some of them just come to bases for six months at a time for different types of equipping and training that were there. Now, it's interesting, though, because I think that concept is a little scary for all of us. We're like, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do, you know. And I think we all kind of come into this assumption that, like, we have to have all the answers when we make friends with non-believers. I heard a pastor recently say he found it odd. They're always striving to be Christ-like, but Christians tend to be really bad at being friends with non-Christians. But Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Um, so oftentimes we talk about welcoming in. It's like, hey, just grow in being a friend of sinners. Grow in being a friend who's different from you because a lot of times it's inviting somebody into your life and just being a part of your life and seeing the difference in what it looks like in a redeemed community. It doesn't make sense why we'd be getting food from a family from Pakistan. Um, last month, our lateral you know, lines for our leach field for our septic tank collapsed, which meant we had almost no plumbing in our house for seven weeks. And so we took showers at friends' houses, did laundry at friends' houses, and, and things like that for seven weeks. Um, it's a, hey, it's a great way to bond as a community group to have to shower at somebody else's house. <laughs> Showing up at the front door with a towel on your shoulder, you're like, hey. Uh, but seeing that doesn't make any sense unless you're part of a a kind of redeemed community, loving one another, supporting one another. That's just welcoming the lost into your lives. So welcoming is the first way we can be involved today. The second one is is to give. Uh, I think this is a unique call for the American church. Part of that being blessed to be a blessing. That there are ways that we can support and care for um, those that are, that are willing to go and those that are already there and supporting, you know, national church planners and pastors. Um, we have these families that we support as a church and their information is there on the table and you can join on their, their support team that way. Um, if you have a unique burden of, for some part of the world that's not represented, let me know. I'll, I can put you in touch with people anywhere in the world, basically. But there's a unique way that we can be a part of that. And there's other things that are developing, which is really exciting. Like I was, I was in at my, my office in, in Florida this week, and the guy was telling me it's so unique, so interesting because of the way that the Internet is you know, pervasive. Um, that global campaigns today, in four to six weeks, we can, you can actually track it 
of seeing people from unreached groups come into faith. Um, that I heard someone say, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful and so are the smartphones. So it's just a reality that there's opportunity that exists by technology, but it requires some funding. There's a way we can give. The third thing we can do is we can pray. You know, does it matter if we pray? I mean, I think we look at Peter in Acts 12 and he's getting released from the prison when the church is praying. He's like, man, pretty glad they were praying for him. You know, our, our prayers are, you know, they are important and they, they're, they're valuable and they're an important part of the work going forward is people praying for and lifting up those that are there. Um, the people that we support on the, on the information table, you can scan a QR code. You can get their prayer request. Almost every missionary sends out prayer requests. And you can, you get that. And my encouragement to you guys is to, to receive those, to pray for them, to send a quick note saying, hey, thankful for you, praying for you today. And that spurs on the work for people to stay, keep pressing ahead with the work that they're doing. There's also plenty of places like Voice of the Martyrs and other websites you can go to that will get regular updates for opportunities to pray. And the last one is this. We can welcome, we can give, we can pray. The last one is to go. I think I'd be amiss if I didn't bring that up, but going to the nations. Going to parts of the earth to say yes. I'll, I'll do that. And that kind of presses against all of our kind of American cultural values of, of comfort, of freedom, of safety, self-determination. But maybe giving up some of these things for treasures in heaven is worth it. Here's my challenge for you tonight. I know that most of us will never go. And I think that's Okay. But I find it interesting that when we say and we talk about this, we say, man, the Lord has to do some incredible things for me to be willing to go somewhere, is we hold up locations sometimes before the Lord. And I, my challenge for you is, is to pray this dangerous prayer, which is just this, Lord, if it's stay in San Antonio, I'll stay in San Antonio. If it's to go somewhere else, Lord, I'm willing. Just praying that prayer of willingness is my challenge. Because here's the thing. I look around this room, and this room doesn't look any different than all the missionaries I know. They're not unique, special people. Um, they're just people that said, hey, I'm willing. My missionary friends are pilots. I look around this room, there's pilots here. I'm not talking about like just bush planes. I'm talking about people flying private jets or people flying A380s for big airlines. But positioning, taking these jobs in places that allow them to be a voice to call the nations to worship. I have friends that are preschool teachers or healthcare workers. or We can do all these things in places where we can plant ourselves where people don't hear or know about Jesus. So we just pray Lord, I'm willing. Let me close with one last story. So there was this family. And this family was building a house. 
and they're in one of these countries where there's um, no other Christians in their city. And while they were building their house, they had a daughter, and she had medical complications. And the people that were building her house were foreign laborers that came, were from India. They were Christians. And they prayed for their daughter, and they cared for their daughter, and their daughter got better. And then this kind of Indian construction crew said, hey, come to our church. And so for a year, they went to this church. But they didn't speak the same language. And we asked them about it, like, why would you go for a year? They said, yeah, the only thing we ever understood was hallelujah and amen. They said, but the Spirit of God was there. It was a redeemed people. And they said the Spirit of God was there. So as we're, we, were, we were asked by one of, the, one of the Indian guys who knew one of my other friends and say, hey, could you guys disciple them? And so we're trying to figure out how can we tie these guys into the, the very, very small community that existed in our city. And so as we're sitting there, there you know, we kinda, it was kind of a meeting, and we're, and we're talking, and there was an Egyptian brother that was with us. So he says to them, he, he, he says, do you love the Lord? He goes, no. Do you love the Lord? He said, yeah, praise the Lord. He says, no, no, do you love the Lord? And the wife from the other side of the room screams out, she goes, yes, yes, we love the Lord. We just need someone to tell us what that means. God is bringing the nations to himself. And he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to give of our lives to, to see the nations to come to know the Lord. So let us welcome, let us pray, let us give, and Lord willing, from among us, let us go. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let's pray. <laughs>